Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. This is Dave Walker. You guys can call me DW. NFL 2020 season is here. Uh, without the preseason games, without uh, the normal stuff that we're used to, we're essentially launching straight into game one of this very weird, disrupted season. Uh, and the Falcons will be at home as they host the Seattle Seahawks. So to preview this game, to get to know a little bit more about uh, the Falcons competition this weekend, uh, I'm excited to uh, welcome to the podcast, um, Brandon Schultz from the, from field goals, from the podcast over at our sister site uh, that covers the Seattle Seahawks. Brandon, how are you doing, man? DW, we made it, man. It is week one of the season (laughs) and we're going to be watching football in less than a week. I, I am fired up. Oh man, I you know I, I I still feel like I have to pinch myself. It doesn't feel quite real, and yet it's here. It's as you mentioned, it's it's less than a week away. Um, I'm excited, and and honestly, I, I feel like in recent years, this matchup between Seattle and Atlanta, as you and I talked about on your podcast recently, uh, has actually been a really good one. We've gotten some actually really really good games in the playoffs and the regular season. Uh, you reminded me that since Russell Wilson came to the team that it's actually a three to three uh, tie in the series so far. So this will be uh, the tiebreaker for now uh, until the next game, of course. Um, what's your take on this matchup between the Falcons and Seahawks over the years? Is it one that you've looked forward to? Uh, what, what are your feelings about this? Yeah, this is a rivalry that started back in the 2012 season, that 2013 uh postseason game between the Falcons and Seahawks and that that first year of Russell Wilson you know it started out a little bit slow but then we started to see that that he was going to be the future quarterback for the Seahawks and that game against the Falcons where they get they're down big at halftime but he rallies the team back you know not unlike that we've seen a lot of from Russell Wilson the past few seasons but that was a, a lot better defense back in 2012. We, we thought you know, this was going to be a team to, to help take us all the way. And it was just that Falcons game where 
gosh, if you go back to that game, the Seahawks end up at least tying it up, right? If not taking the lead and, and the Falcons end up winning it on a last second field goal. Yeah, that's right. The, yeah. we, the Seahawks had taken the lead and it, it came down to what a Matt Bryant field goal right at the end to win it. And man, that, that game, it, uh, it stuck. It's really stuck with a lot of us Seahawks fans <laughs> over the years. And so for this team, it, it does feel a little bit of a rivalry game. You mentioned the record being three and three, but I will point out is, is that uh, in the regular season, the, the Seahawks have the edge. They're three and one against the Falcons. It's the right. playoffs that we, that we end up losing to you guys. <laughs> uh, and I would be amiss to uh, not remind our Falcons fans. And I'm sure they would remind me anyways, that that 2016 game had the infamous, um, non-pass interference at the end of the game with, with Julio. Oh, that's um, the one where Julio pushed off Richard Sherman at the line <laughs> and then managed to get open, and that the refs missed that for some reason. Oh, yeah. it was. Uh, um, I, I, I do love the fact that that is a game with two very, very different perspectives. <laughs> um, but honestly, this is what I love. This is what I love about football um, is these – you know, even though we're not in the same division, you still have this, uh, this sense of a rivalry in it. And to me, it brings more to the game, makes it feel more fun uh, than just simply having two teams that are playing each other. So there, there's some history here. This will be a fun one. So I want to ask you, because you mentioned it, um, the, the Seahawks defense, obviously everyone remembers the Legion of Boom, uh, one of the best defenses over the past several decades. Uh, and yet it seems like that is just simply not the case anymore. So what is the story about the Seahawks defense now. What do Atlanta fans need to know about this defense, about the pass rush, the linebackers, the secondary? What What is your overall picture? Yeah, the pass rush is definitely an issue for this team. And we saw this past weekend with Jadivian Clowney signing with the Titans is that he will not be coming back to Seattle. And even you know, with him on the team, I think this team struggled with the pass rush last season. Uh, they did bring back Jaron Reed, who was on suspension for about six games last season, but didn't quite have the production that we saw from him in 2018, where he had double-digit sacks. And so they're really relying on some young talent with Rasheem Green uh, on the uh, one of the end spots. They signed Benson Mayoa as a free agent this offseason. They also brought back Bruce Irvin, who adds a little bit to the pass rush as well. But still, I, I'm not expecting a lot in terms of this uh, this front four. But the back seven... The back 70 W I would put up against any team in the league with Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright at mm-hmm. linebacker, you throw Bruce Irvin in there as well. And then Shaquille Griffin, who had a pro bowl season last year. Uh, they picked up Quentin Dunbar from the Washington football team yep. in the off season, traded for him. They got Trey flowers coming back and then to add Jamal Adams in with Quandre Diggs, who they traded for a fifth-round pick for with the Lions last season, who came in and, and made a huge difference in the secondary. It's, it's really that safety tandem that really, you know, combined with the linebackers, are those are the two strongest position groups on the Seahawks and maybe among the strongest position groups when you, when you stack them up against any other team in the league. Oh, definitely. And when I look at the matchup against the Falcons, it's that middle portion of the field that looks like it, it's going to be locked down. But uh, let me ask you this, you know, the Falcons have um, a very, let's say, elite receiver in Julio Jones. They've got... Um, you, you could uh, say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've got an up-and-coming receiver uh, in Calvin Ridley that a lot of fans are um, really excited about to see what he does in year three. What does it look like on the outside? Uh, what's the situation at corner? Do you feel comfortable with a one-on-one matchup with Julio? Do you think they're going to 
constantly use safety help. Uh, what's the story at cornerback? If you go back to last season and that, that last playoff game between the Seahawks and Packers, just with Devontae Adams, they lined him up against Trey Flowers and they attacked him uh, the entire game. And that's really what led the, the Packers to that win against the Seahawks at Lambeau to close out the Seahawks season last year. And so I would, have, I would imagine that Dan Quinn, and also being a former Seahawks defensive coordinator, that he's going to be looking at that corner matchup, whether it's Trey Flowers who starts there or uh, if it's Quentin Dunbar who ends up getting the start there. I think as Seahawks fans, that's one thing that we're waiting to see. Uh, we're also waiting to see if the Seahawks are going to play a significant portion of nickel defense this year because that's something they didn't do last year. It just wasn't a strength of theirs because their nickel corner was not good. And, uh, <laughs> and so there's some hope that Marquise Blair, who is kind of the third safety, is going to drop into that nickel position and provide them with he's been getting rave reviews kind of through the preseason. And so I, I think there's a lot of hype there. I think Shaquille Griffin can hold his own. He's not necessarily a ball hawking type corner the way Richard Sherman was, but he can be a guy that I think if they decide to put him one-on-one with Calvin Ridley, that, that he can, that he can hold that down. And then you're just worrying about that Matt Ryan to Julio Jones link. Yeah. And that's, uh, historically, the Seahawks uh, have been a team that has played Julio well over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually had to come down to some of the guys further down the roster uh, to do some damage. And uh, so one of those guys for the Falcons is going to be new tight end uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, who is replacing uh, Stalwart, uh, who left the team, uh, the free agency, uh, Austin Hooper. Um, how do you feel about the, the tight end matchup when you look at, you know, a, a little bit more athletic tight end than Hayden Hurst? Uh, obviously, you mentioned uh, K.J. Wright and uh, uh, Wagner, and those guys are, you know, have been for a very long time, one of the best linebacking duos in the league. Do you feel like the, the tight end position is locked down for this game, or are there any weaknesses uh, there that you're at all worried about? Yeah, and I think I could see that as a potential matchup where they decide to use Jamal Adams uh, in those tight end situations as well. We really don't have an idea for how the Seahawks defense is going to use Adams because we haven't seen any preseason matchups. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't, I guess you can kind of say, well, maybe they'll use him in a similar way they used a guy like Cam. And, and you know, we'd see him covering tight ends at times as well, too. So um, that's that's really one of the interesting parts for this team, you know, whether they're going to use Adams as the, as much as blitzing as the jets did last season, or uh, because that's not something they traditionally did with cam as, as much as the, the jets did with Adams. So uh, it's, it's going to be something to watch. And I, I would expect that tight end position would be one to watch as well. Yeah. This, as I looked at the matchups on paper, um, the one area where I felt like the Falcons had an advantage was on the outside again with Julio and, and Calvin potentially. Um, and it personally felt like Hayden Hurst, especially with the fact that he doesn't have a lot of time uh, with Matt Ryan, as you mentioned, we, we simply, you know, from the Falcon side, we simply don't know. We, we mm-hmm. don't know what Hayden Hurst is going to do in, in this offense. Uh, and, you know, overall though, uh, if I look at the NFC West um, and where you guys are situated, obviously, you know, everyone's going to point to the 49ers uh, with, you know, the fact that they went to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you've got the up-and-coming uh, Arizona Cardinals, and a lot of people talking about them. But in, in my mind, uh, the Seahawks arguably still have the most stability 
and the best quarterback in the division. And it's the, the number two, whoever you think that may be, whether it's Garoppolo or um, <laughs> Jared Goff, uh, I have my opinions there. Um, <laughs> it, it, for me, the gap between Wilson and the rest of the division at quarterback is a massive one. It's like going from the top tier uh, and dropping several tiers down to the next guy up. Um, and in my mind, that gives them uh, the, you know, the advantage here, even though the 49ers may have, you know, more complete defense. Do you feel like this year the Seahawks are going to compete and maybe be uh, the team that can knock off the 49ers from the top of the division? The way I look at the NFC West is in two tiers, and it's the San Francisco 49ers and the Seahawks in one tier, and it's the Arizona Cardinals and LA Rams in the other. And you mentioned that quarterback does have a lot to do with it. I I think the 49ers are in the top tier conversation because of their, especially at their defensive line is it's stronger right. than almost any other in the league and they have a good set of linebackers. They have some nice pieces in secondary uh, still have Richard Sherman on the team. And uh, I, I, as much as I want to dislike him uh, <laughs> and, and since he's on the Niners now uh, he's, he's still uh, an incredible player. So um, it's the, the Niners defense. They have the solid, solid run game with Kyle Shanahan running the show down there. And so they're, they're going to win some games. It's, I think, the way you mentioned Jared Goff's name is kind of the way that I think about Goff as well. Is that he's the worst quarterback in the in the NFC West uh, by I think a pretty easy margin. Um, I think I would put Kyler Murray at number two. It's kind of one of those discussions that we've had in the offseason. Although, although uh, usually we put Kyler Murray at number three because um, we, we put Russ, healthy Russell Wilson at number one and then injured Russell Wilson as the number two quarterback <laughs> in the NFC West. <laughs> and then Kyler Murray slots in behind him. So, oh, I love it, uh, and no, no love for Garoppolo either. Apparently, so um, he's he's fine, and I think we're going to see a little bit how he responds from that loss in the Super Bowl <laughs> is going to tell a lot about uh, what he is as a quarterback and how the Forty ers feel about him. Yeah, it, it, excellent point, and and it's a division I, I watch uh, almost as much as I do my own division uh, because I feel like there is. Um, uh, just some intrigue there. There's more than one team that could uh, potentially take that division. Um, but that said, Russell Wilson, um, in my opinion, as, as a, a fan that is not a fan of the Seahawks on the you know, outside, uh, I would rank him as one of the top quarterbacks in the league in that elite tier. And it seems like sometimes he doesn't get uh, the respect he deserves in my mind. He's a fantastic quarterback, incredible accuracy, one of the best deep ball throwers, I think, in the league. Um, but the question for me is what have the Seahawks done to better protect him? Cause I know the past several years, the offensive line has been an issue in Seattle. Um, and I know when you can make the Falcons pass rush look decent, then there's something terribly, terribly wrong with your offensive line. Yeah, right. Uh, what has Seattle done to better protect uh, Russell Wilson? Uh, do you feel like that's a unit that's going to be improved this year? Or is that still an area of concern for you? The offensive line, I, I feel, is not going to be worse than last season, but I do have my concerns. The, the biggest matchup concern that I have going into this game between the Falcons and Seahawks is Grady Jarrett going, you know, being in the middle of that defense and going up a rookie uh, against rookie Damian Lewis, mm-hmm. who looks like he's going to be starting at right guard. Uh, Ethan Posick, it's going to be one of his first starts, at least as the starter. I, he's filled in at center from from time to time over the years. 
but he's taken over at the center spot. Now, I, I do think he's an upgrade over Joey Hunt, who played at that center spot uh, for a good portion of last season after Justin Britt went down with an ACL injury. Right. Uh, so I, th- I think if you're looking at upgrades, you still have the same guys with Mikey Potty, Dwayne Brown on the left side. Um, I, I think Posick can be an upgrade over Joey Hunt. It's, I think Damian Lewis can be a, a good DJ Fluker replacement, but with, but with it being his first game with the team – and you know, Posick on one side, you got Brandon Shell on the other who came over from the Jets, who I think he can be as good as a Fetty because, you know, anybody can be. <laughs> and, and so that's, that's kind of where I look at that. But the, there are still concerns on the right side of the offensive line for the Seahawks. Yeah, and that, uh, you mentioned Grady Jarrett, and I feel like this is one of those games where uh, if you have any weaknesses on the interior, he's one of those – he has turned into one of those guys – that will absolutely 100% take advantage of it. Um, he, is a, he is a game wrecker in many senses of the word. So um, how about the running game? Uh, because, you know, obviously several years back, uh, the Seahawks were identified as being a running team, uh, obviously with Marshawn Lynch. But mm-hmm. this is Russell Wilson's team now. But do they, do they still have the guys in the backfield that can carry the rock? I think so. With Chris Carson coming back, he's coming off a hip injury, but it sounded like he was doing everything that he needed to do through the offseason, looking good there. Uh, Rashad Penny, who, if you go back to that Falcon-Seahawks game from last year, it was really a, a nice tandem they had mm-hmm. going with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, kind of getting some of that workload too. Um, now there's Carlos Hyde that they brought in from the Texans, who also rushed for 1,000 yards. So yep. they, they do have that, Car- that Carson-Hyde tandem now. And seeing how they decide to deploy that through these first couple of weeks as Rashad Penny comes off his ACL injury. He's, you know, it's going to be a few weeks before he's able to come back this season. But DJ Dallas is a guy who they picked up from the University of Miami. And he's been getting really solid reviews because he's been getting majority of the work. Chris Carson had a death in the family in the offseason. And Carlos Hyde just, he, I'm sure he didn't need a ton of work in the in the preseason. So Dallas has been getting a lot of those reps. And so I'm kind of curious to see what they have there. And as much as we wonder if this is going to be kind of a a more pass heavy team this year, they really have built up the running game because they have had so much, so many issues in the past with depth and, and injuries at running back. Right. And, and you just mentioned it. and And honestly, when I look at this roster, um, Carson and Hyde are two really good backs. And, um, but the, the thing that jumps out to me is I look at those wide receivers and I, I see, you know, DK Metcalf, who everyone knows is, you know, this um, physical freak of a man. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Tyler Lockett, Philip Dorsett. Um, this feels like a underrated or maybe under the radar wide receiver group. What's your take on these wide receivers? Do you think they're going to surprise some people, especially with, uh, again, a top-notch quarterback throwing to them? I think, and especially if you go back again to that Atlanta game last year, you're going, you're going to see a very different group when it comes to the receivers because it was Jacob Hollister at tight end for the Seahawks. You still have right. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Lockett had the 100-yard the game against the Falcons last right. year when Wilson didn't even throw for 200 yards in that game against the Falcons. <laughs> um, and, I mean, Metcalf is just improved. He was such a big piece going down the stretch. Mm-hmm. especially when Lockett uh, was dealing with some health issues toward the end of the season. But probably one of the areas where I'm most excited about is at tight end now 
yeah. with um, with the big signing with Greg Olson in the offseason. I know I understand he's he's kind of getting up there, but we got a healthy Will Disley coming back too. Yep. And I think he's maybe a guy who's flown under the radar for a lot of people, but Seahawks fans know very well because just as a target for Russell Wilson when he's been healthy. Uh, he's been one of his his top go-to tight ends, and he's just had catastrophic injuries with a patellar injury in his rookie season. Last year, he, uh, he had uh, an Achilles injury, so really devastating injuries for any player, and he has them in back-to-back seasons, but he's back and healthy, and it sounds like he's going to start week, week one. So I am when they're getting those two tight end sets uh, with both Disley and Olsen and then Locker, uh, when Lockett and Metcalf on the outside, I, that's a really intriguing group on the offense for me. Yeah, and, you know, I, I look at the Falcons' defense, and, and, you know, Deion Jones is one of the best. Actually, I think per PFF, he was the best coverage linebacker in the league uh, in mm-hmm. 2019. Um, we're getting Keanu Neal back. His health is a big question mark. Historically, he's done well against tight ends uh, in coverage. But, yeah, when I look at Greg Olson, uh, who we're very familiar with <laughs> here in Atlanta, <laughs> right. um, and he, is, he has put up quite a few uh, yards on us uh, over the years. Um, and Will Disley, who I agree, I know him through fantasy sure. because I think I got eviscerated uh, a couple times unexpectedly by him. <laughs> Who's um, this guy? <laughs> yeah, it was Will Disley. Um, but, yeah, when I went and looked him up, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's one of the like, – one of the best tight ends in the league and no one knows about him. And he's healthy. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, yeah, just a great looking group on paper. And, and, you know, as you said, we don't know much about the season. We don't have the preseason games to lean off of, but uh, this is definitely a unit that I look at. And, you know, as we talked about uh, on our podcast um, with the Falcons questions on defense, I definitely see this tight end position as being something that could be exploited potentially in this game. One last question for you, though, about the offense, and that's going back to the, the, you know, the guy at the middle of all this, and that is Russell Wilson. Right. Um, we, we know that he has had some injuries. Um, and, I mean, amazingly, I think, again, one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league you know, with the way he has played through injuries throughout his career. How is he this year? Is he healthy? Uh, is he coming into the season uh, with all his ailments put aside? How does Russell Wilson look in 2020? Yeah, as far as we've heard, there haven't been any any kind of issues that he's been dealing with. You know, he's he's like you've mentioned, he's fought through injuries, whether it's you know getting stepped on by in Tom and Sue in that Week One game against Oof. the Dolphins. Uh, what was that, 2016, I think, and still managed to play the entire season. And you know, people were speculating about you know, how healthy his his arm was or a potential pectoral injury a couple of years back. And he's just a guy who plays through everything, and that's why you know. The I think the joke about injured Russell Wilson kind of being better than, than the other quarterbacks in the NFC West, it, it, it is true. We've just seen it over the years. And, yeah, I don't think that as of right now we are, we're worried about anything with Russell. Sorry to break that to, to Falcons fans going into week one. That, you know, it's, it's potentially going to have you know, healthy 100% Russell Wilson going into this year. Yeah, which, uh, you know, obviously the first game, uh, you would hope all these guys are healthy. And, and to be fair, I, I would rather uh, have the credit of beating a, a healthy Russell Wilson than an injured one. Um, yeah. 
Oh, gosh, it, was, it wasn't even Matt Ryan in the game last year, and Matt Schaub threw for 460 yards. So, <laughs> yeah, that was, a, gosh, that was a wild game last year with the Falcons. Oh, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of wild games with the Falcons last year. Um, some good it was almost It bad. was almost a mirror image of the playoff game because Seahawks got up big, uh, 24-zip uh, uh, before halftime, and then it ended up being such a close game at the end. So, yeah, yeah. that was, was wild. Yep. The uh, infamous Matt Schaub game uh, where we, we literally in Atlanta radio had people asking why Matt Ryan was the starter. So that was, <laughs> that was a fun outcome from that game here in Atlanta. Um, yeah, we're going to set that memory aside. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> Brandon, I, I'm going to ask you because, uh, you know, it's the first game. As you mentioned, neither of us really know much about what these teams are going to look like. We don't have the preseason, which uh, I, I think you might agree. Preseason probably – a little bit too much stock is put into those performances anyways, but here we are first game uh, Seattle's coming into Atlanta. How do you feel this game's going to play out? What's your prediction for the game? I do think that the Seahawks are, are going are going to be able to win this game. I know Dan Quinn has a pretty good record. I think in opening games, at least a winning record in opening games historically. So mm-hmm. that's a, a little bit interesting to me, but um, you know, with with the Seahawks, both these teams knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses so well, I, I do think that some of those concerns uh, that that I'm hearing from you with the Falcons defense is is going to be what decides this football game. You know, with AJ Terrell, you know, how does he respond as a rookie going right. up against guys like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and um, you know the the two tight ends? How how the Falcons are able to handle that? I I think ultimately this is a, a win for the Seahawks, but it has the potential to to still be a close game just because the Seahawks tend to play in close games. <laughs> We've seen it <laughs> even even when we get up big, it ends up being a close game. Um, it for both of us uh, apparently. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I do have a feeling this is what it's going to come down to once again. It's, it's going to be a, a fourth quarter game and it's, it's going to make it interesting for everybody. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I think that's what has made um, this series of games between the Falcons and the Seahawks uh, just so interesting. I, I don't think we've had a boring game in the past uh, six that we've played. So uh, I am looking forward to this, if not just for the fact that it is the start of the 2020 NFL season, uh, also for the fact that we've got two really good quarterbacks going at it uh, and it's a hell of a way to kick off the season. Uh, so Brandon, if you would let our listeners know uh, where they can find you, if they want to catch up on some Seahawks news, find out more about the team uh, and let them know what you've got going on. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Seahawkers pod. I also have another show, the Seahawkers podcast, uh, and we're going to be putting out our opening season show here at SeahawkersPodcast.com. And then, of course, you know, with the SB Nation shows, SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts to subscribe to your show, my show, all the shows. There, there's yes. plenty of, of stuff on SB Nation to, to listen to now. 100%. Uh, the building uh, and ever-growing SB Nation podcast network. Uh, Brandon, thank you for coming on and helping us to preview and get to know a little bit more about the Seattle Seahawks team. I would say good luck on Sunday, but obviously I don't mean that. Look forward to a good game, though. Looking forward to it. All right. Guys, for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW, the podcast at FalcoholicPod, and, of course, our coverage at thefalcoholic.com. So for Brandon Schultz, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk with you next time. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.